Hey, welcome back to City Bro by Lead. In the previous episode, we hosted Edmund, a data scientist from AirAsia, where he shared with us about what is it like working in the MNC versus working in the startup, and what are the skills required to be a data scientist. Now, in this episode, we go even deeper. I want to learn from Edmund what are the tools, libraries, and frameworks that he has used, and what is his favorite data science programming language. Is it Python or R? Also, I asked him why is data engineering such an important process in the company? Now, from a career point of view, I have asked him how was it becoming a generalist with full stack development experience makes him a stronger data science candidate and help him to take data science models and results to production. And last but not least, as a closing remark, we discuss a very serious topic, which is how will AI take over the world? Is it through more machine learning? Is it through more data? And how can we prepare ourselves so that AI will not replace us, well, at least in the near future? All right, enjoy the episode. In this episode of Data Crunch, we have Dr. Lau. It's us again here, and we have. Edmund. Hi. All right. Okay, let's get right into it. Now, Edmund, when it comes to data science, all right, what are your favorite libraries in data science? Uh, my favorite libraries, I would say Seaborn. I like data visualization, different, a lot of graph, different kind of graph. Mm -hmm. And then another one should be D3JS. That okay. one is like, there's plenty of charts, um, match, map, uh, chart, uh, map visualizations. Okay. Uh, pie chart, bar chart, a lot of visual, uh, data visualization tools over there. Pie chart. Pie chart. Hey, pie hey. Chart. <laughs> <laughs> I always know that I don't like pie chart. I mean, like, I mean like, as for example, but I hardly use pie chart. I okay. hardly use pie chart. Uh, why, 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 why shouldn't we use pie chart? Uh, sometimes it doesn't make sense and it doesn't sh tell us much information. Yeah, except by telling you which one has the, the biggest the, the portion. Biggest the, pie. Yeah, biggest oh, pie. Oh. Now, when it comes to data science, right, people always talk about, you know, you have Python and R, okay? So why didn't you learn R? To be honest, uh, I learned R and then halfway I didn't, I stopped over there. pursuing I stopped pursuing R in the end, okay. I go into Python. Reason because I find that first thing, R is very powerful. Yes. In terms of our calculations, data cleaning, those sort of stuff. But in terms of implementation, I find that Python is more useful. Okay. And then to, to being, become a solution for the business itself. R for me is more into um, understanding exploratory. But, but for, the, for the benefit of the audience is that we, um, we know that you are coming from a full stack development background. Yes. Yeah. How does that really help you when, because you keep saying that, you know, Python is good for production, Python is good for uh, delivering a product and yes. you have experience in delivering a, a real product, whether it's a mobile app or is it a full stack application uh, for Watch Over Me. And then we'll go uh, a bit into Watch Over Me about what, what sort of real work we have done over there as well okay. and the machine learning mm -hmm. and text analysis. Mm -hmm. But from that perspective, yeah, what what is really R is lacking? More into implementation into the business side. Especially the, the web server yes, and, and the production. Yes. Okay. Uh, more into uh, what we call like APIs, mm. uh, building these of frameworks to like yep. pass it around and then how that communicates with different kind of platforms. Okay. Now as a full stack developer, uh, name me one thing uh, that you think that that really helps you in your data science or data scientist career. Um, do you mean like 
frameworks or libraries? Uh, anything. Just just one thing that okay. For example, right. I I'm also a full stack developer, okay. but I think what I know about the architecture, the microservice architecture, is very useful because a lot of data scientists out there, they don't really know how to architect a full stack product, mm -hmm. and hence they always ask us the same question: is like, hey, uh, Doctor Lau, how do we take our results in Python or R and then put it into a website, for example? We okay. we all know that the so called last mile is to deliver the visualization. Mm. Um, for me, I would prefer Django. Mm -hmm. Django as the Python framework because uh, it does handle a lot of, sort of free stuff and then free features mm -hmm. in Django that are provided and then the framework is very well built with a very good documentation. I think the, the good things about Django is that that's, that's this episode is more on the, the technical side, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the good parts about Django is uh, it comes with a very very structured and very defined way so that you just have to follow the yes. way they structure the project. Yeah, it's more likely you just focus on your the business logic yeah, yeah. Then, uh, and then it kind of like force you to follow their way yeah. but it will be a very good practice because it's very well documented yes. by people and then uh, a lot of people using the community, the, the community is, very is very, very strong. Yeah. Right? And then compared to something like, like Flask or other micro web server, that, yes. that gives you too much freedom. Yes, mm. and then you will end up uh, with very messy codes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very hard for you to first is to hang over. Yeah. Or second thing is to do the maintenance. Okay. Yes. Now we have been talking about watch over me for for quite a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ruben, how much have you know about watch over me? Oh, by listening really well to, to the to the name, what what does it tell you? It sounds like a safety app. Okay. Right. Yep. For security. Uh, for for safety. For to be secure, uh, mm -hmm. right? But maybe you can tell us a little bit more about Watch Over Me, what it does. Mm. Watch Over Me was founded by James. He's the founder of the company. Um, reason why he found the company is he lost contact with his sister in, I'm not sure when really, but he didn't manage to contact her, uh, his sister for like close to one week. Then, then, only, long, then, yeah? then, then only he managed to contact her back. I think after one week, in after she's uh, woke up from hospital take. And then he came up with this app called Secure Me. It suddenly become what we know now is Watch Over Me. Okay. As a safety mobile, pers uh, personal safety mobile applications okay. where you can create uh, events. Mm -hmm. Then if you start tracking your coordinates. So whenever, if you didn't manage to like- Close, lost contact with the person, right? Lost contact with the person. And then if you didn't close the event or you shake the phone very uh, vigorously. Okay. That if you if you just create an emergency event, then you okay. will blast out a uh, message, SMS to the emergency contact that you had safe inside the mobile apps. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, yeah. All right. And so it's, it's in. I mean, which countries in the world is Watch Over Me? Uh, it's in international. Based on the data that we have, it's, it's more likely that Western countries adopt this this app well than mm. Asian country. And to use it, uh, subscribers would pay a subscription fee? It's free to use. Okay. It's free to use, free to totally use. free to use. But there are some paid features in for the apps itself. Example of some paid features? The paid features itself is the SMS feature. Ah, where you send out all the SMS, auto SMS, auto SMS, SMS oh, send out to, okay, okay. to the emergency contacts. I see, I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. So Emma, maybe tell, uh, share with our audience a little bit uh, yeah, about the things that we have done in Watch Over Me last time. So basically, first we know that Watch Over Me is doing um, mobile or personal mobile applications. And then we kind of like take in like crime data because mm. uh, we found that one of the cities that, that open source their crime data, 
and then which, just, which city was it? Uh, Chicago. 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 Okay. They have a very very well documented crime data, and they update every two weeks. When, when you say crime data, what kind of data is it? Like like mm. what kind of crime happens, or what time it is? Like the occurrence. The occurrence. Right. Right. Different kind of crime types right. like theft, narcotics, battery, right. and then uh, whether they're arrested or. So when you analyze those kind of data, mm -hmm. what is the result or what's the conclusion mm. of doing that? The approach is we want to notify, we want to generate a safety report okay. and then to tell the end users that hey, that something's happened around you. Okay. So you might want to be careful uh, or you might want to avoid these this dodgy areas when this is your first time to visit. Would you call place. that uh, predictive analysis? For the first, first phase, we won't say it's predictive, it's more into acknowledge. Acknowledge. Acknowledge to the user. Right, right, to right. To say that, hey, there's something happens around you, you might want to avoid this okay. place. For example, like if I were to visit a new uh, a new place which I didn't been before, mm -hmm. then this kind of app, this app will- Will bust me and say, hey, careful this place. Yeah. Uh, based and on our data and research, there's something- Something uh, happens over here. before, so you want to take it- uh, so it's more like a, a classification in, in data science yes. sense, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then um, what we had did, uh, what I did with Dr. Lau is we did uh, exploratory analysis mm. and then some crime data, crime type correlations. So okay. what kind of crime that will in will cause us another crime to spike out? Mm. And then uh, we did like anomaly detections. Yeah. And then the last one should be um, N uh, NLP classifications yeah. where we crunch all the live news mm -hmm. and then we auto uh, do the classifications to insert to our database to get a very okay. live data, mm -hmm. newest data. So yeah. sentiment analysis, right? Yes. Natural language processing. Hey. Natural language. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Alright, so I hope that was a good insight into Watch Over Me. We've placed down the link towards the website um, yep. on the descriptions. So you can go and check it out if you want. Now, I want to go back to a question that Dr. La asked uh, earlier, earlier on. Mm -hmm. uh, let me reframe it in an easy to understand way mm -hmm. right, in case we, we misunderstand that question, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a digital marketer, right? And I'm very thankful that I have uh, skills in creating media, like recording, like making videos like that. Copywriting. Copywriting well. and maybe some designing so I can come mm -hmm. up with ads and all that. Now, when we relate that to you, would you, be, would you say that you appreciate that being a data scientist, you appreciate that, that you have the skills of a web developer? Yes. And what kind of parts that uh, you are most appreciative of? Like you are so thankful that you have that skill that it helped you in, the, in your journey as a data scientist. Yeah. It really helps me to understand the end-to-end -end point or how can I deliver from, from the raw data itself and mm -hmm. then how can I deliver the solutions to the productions of okay, okay, life. We take this opportunity to test Ruben, right? Okay. right. What, the, what, what are the things that I always talk about? The framework, the data science framework. Right, right, right. Yeah. Awesome framework. Awesome framework. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's what... Um, then, having a technical skills is very, very help I me see. to grow faster. Would, would, would you advise most data scientists to pick up web development skills then? Obviously, yes. I would say you have to be very good in web development. At least you know how... It works. It works and then how the it. awesome frameworks. 
Yeah, Sorry. I think I think Ruben can definitely relate to that because you as a digital marketer, you you always also mm. you feel glad that you you manage to pick up some of the web development skills. Correct, 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 correct. Yeah, like even when you want to customize WordPress, mm. HTML, CSS, those web development, it, it's not just about the skill itself, but everything is on web now, and then sooner right, be, right. everything is on the cloud. I think yeah. it's it, am I right to say that it's a similar sentiments? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So so it comes to when 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 we do digital marketing, right? Yes. Um, there are some parts in digital marketing you put in a script, you need to do some a bit of CSS. And I mean, I don't understand the whole full stack of web development, mm-hmm. but I know enough to get by with digital marketing. So I think mm-hmm. that's the same as well for data science and also uh, web development. Okay. Right? Now, so a lot of people be asking us about, um, you know, data science, what you learn, which kind of uh, programs to learn, what kind of skills to learn. Mm-hmm. But what's one thing that a lot of people missed out when it comes to data science? What do you think that is? Data engineering. Okay. So cleaning the data, preparing the data. I think more. I think most of the people that don't first they don't know how to gather data. Okay. And then they don't know how to clean the data. Okay. And then another thing is they don't know what kind of data they need to keep track. This will be the main three things that we had. I think we have talked to a lot of like. Yeah, startup companies yeah. that are having, having this kind of problems like don't know what kind of data they at least startup companies uh, they are aware that they need data engineers you know yes. if you talk to MNC and bigger corporates they were like do we really need data engineers don't we have DBA or our you know they will assume that like, someone else will take out the job but actually I think the engineering process or the cycle itself is, mm-hmm. is pretty crucial but like MNC a lot of people has been missing it out yes yeah. but what, what do you feel like when company or the corporation that do not that does not have data engineering as, as part of the process because when we talk about awesome right we consider that a bit of the infra or the, the mm-hmm. dev of job so if they don't really do proper data engineering what will happen what's the impact i will say that the, the business or, or the entrepreneur he or he or she himself will be facing a lot of uncertainty okay. if, if if the data itself is, is uh, didn't get to clean and then the, the data analyst obviously they can't generate a very accurate reports or for Meaning that they, they they still get results but, but they don't have hundred percent confidence. They cannot trust yes. them fully. Yeah, okay. and then they, there's a lot of like they don't understand the business fully. Yeah, and then not very in depth. Yeah, I think that eventually will cause unknown loss, lah. Meaning that you you don't know what you left out on the table. Yes. whether something is coincidental or incidental, for example, yep. right? Yeah. Okay. Now, since we're on the engineering topic, let's get a bit serious. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Edmund, very serious question. Okay. Are you ready for that? Uh? Will AI take over the world? I wouldn't say AI will really take over the world. But everybody has been telling us the same thing, right? I got, you know, I got this question all the time, but I'm not going to pass it to you. Um, AI will be part of the world, but okay. I wouldn't say that it will take over the world. Because AI is trained by humans, Okay. right? And then all of that is it is prepared by human. And then we also know that um some of the big companies they are doing like AI, then they can talk a lot with them. Yeah, yeah chatbots, you know, driverless car. Yeah. That, that, that thing scares people like, like you go into a shopping uh, shopping mall, supermarket, there's there's no counters, no, no yes, cashier, But stuff. it's somehow whether we can adopt on this kind of um new tech mm. stuff and then how it really affects us on most of the stuff that we are using like AI. It's just to automate some of the things and then... But, okay, I know lah. Most of them are machine learnings, right? Yes. We, all, we all know that. But what, what sort of machine learnings that we need to know in order to be not so scared about AI, for example? At least you have to... At least understand uh, how... What is the algorithms of machine learning works and how it works. How it works, right? How it works. Then yeah. only... I will say that after you know how the algorithm works or how 
do you calculate on this kind of mathematics stuff, uh-huh. then you wouldn't be very... I, wouldn't, I would say you wouldn't freak out. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not freaked out, but every time when people ask that, uh, Ruben, Ruben seems like, oh no, it's, uh, AI is going to replace our jobs. Uh, not, not, not that he's freaked out, but the media has been portrayed in, mm. in such a way. Like, okay, mm. but now, okay, now whoever who, you are watching the programs, uh, watching Data Crunch episode now, you, you hear from me and you hear from Edmund, right? Both of us are data scientists and also machine learning engineer and practitioner. Okay, now, uh, before we end this episode, right? Yes. Uh, now that we feel, feel more relaxed, uh, yeah? <laughs> so we go back to the reality. What would be your advice to our audience here that who really want to step a foot inside data science, who want to, not to say you want to become a data scientist straight away, eventually you want to become a data scientist or how do they begin their data science career journey? I would suggest... Of course, of course. Yes. Okay, first thing first, attend our class, right? Uh, attend our <laughs> DS360 course. But apart from that... Okay, Um, I would say that don't, don't be panicked. Lah. Then uh, the first thing is maybe you can join in Kaggle. Okay. Because there's, there's a lot of like uh, free data set and then a lot of uh, kernels, documentation is mm. well written over there. Just start, pick one um, competition or one event or data set that you are interested and then start reading on those documentations that or solutions that are provided by the public, the community itself, that understand how that works and then why they do um, this kind of analysis and then how they approach or target this kind of, uh, tackle this kind of problems. Yeah, I think a lot of our students before they came for our classes is that they, they know Kaggle exists, right? But they sort of go through very broadly. I think they, they, they touch a bit on this topic, touch a bit on that topic, yes. and they look at topics that are interesting. But then that, that's, that's about it, right? Yeah. yeah that's sort of feeling. Yeah? So I would suggest that um, pick one, and yep. then focus on that. Okay, go deep on that. Go deep on that. Okay, any then others? Try to build a portfolio. Okay. I will say that you have to set up your own websites, but writing articles writing and blogs. then writing blogs in like, first writing blogs doesn't cost you Anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Ruben has been telling. It's free, right? Ruben has been telling me that too. Yeah, yeah. it's so free to write and then share. Try to share with people, and then you can just drive a lot of traffic through social medias. Okay. Yeah. So the idea is is to get noticed. Yes, to get noticed and then by get, by corporates by by corporates people um, who see value in in what you do. Yeah. So what you can do maybe is you can do a simple reports and then just share out the links mm. to let people see on what you have done. So I hope help. Uh, that help um, you if you are looking to become a data scientist or you know to put in a career or put in a foot into the career of being a data scientist, right? So any last things to say before we go? Start from Edmund. I, I usually give our audience a bit of the, the actionable insights, yeah. actionable small tips. little tip. Uh, small little tip. Small little tip. Start easy. Start easy. Uh, take the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, pick up a lang- programming language and then you will know what to do f- for the next few steps. Okay. Just so that the idea is to just get started. Yeah, just, just first right. step is always the hardest. Right. Thanks, okay. Edmund. So remember to subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, hit that subscribe button or like us on Facebook. Follow us the follow all the content on Facebook. And if any questions again, you can always uh, visit www.delete.io mm-hmm. and let us know. To see you in the next uh, series again. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. By now, you should have a clear idea about what's inside a data scientist toolbox. And the benefits of becoming a generalist, whether it's full-stack web development or data science. Now, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you, and I will see you in the next episode.